Good morning and welcome to today's episode of Running the Race, where we're helping you to run well and finish strong in the race of faith. I'm glad you've taken the time to spend with us this morning. My name is Michael and I am your host. Now on today's show, we're having a conversation with Adam Brocker. Adam is the Interim Area Director for East Volusia Flagler FCA. But before we talk with Adam, I want to share messages of hope with you from Psalm 119, verses 20 through 24. Listen to what the psalmist wrote. I am continually overcome with longing for your judgments. You rebuke the arrogant, the ones under a curse who wander from your commands. Take insult and contempt away from me, for I have kept your decrees. Though princes sit together speaking against me, your servant will think about your statutes. Your decrees are my delight and my counselors. So Psalm 119, the psalmist is extolling in a prayer to God his desires for God's truth, God's decrees, God's statutes, God's word. All of this in reference to God's scripture in his life. And so let me make just kind of an overarching observation out of these verses. And here it is. God's grace is our source of satisfaction. God's grace to us through Christ is our source of satisfaction. True godliness lies very much in desires. And so a high view, a high value of God's word, the Bible, leads to the pressing desire to know it and to do it. So it speaks of our desires, right? The, the psalmist talked about his soul, it, it, that, he, it, that he longed this in his soul, right? So the psalmist identifies that because of the way God created us, our greatest longing should be to know God. Therefore, anything less than an insatiable desire to know him by knowing and obeying his word is actually very sinful in, in our life. So this, this uh, source of satisfaction, God's grace in our life should stir a desire to know God and to know him through his word. And so David talks about being crushed, right? The word literally means to, to wear thin. It means close to the breaking point. And so the person who has discovered the worth of God's word yearns fervently to read it. So we must rely on the scriptures for comfort. Why? Because they present to us the grace of God. We rely on them for comfort and for guidance. I've heard, always heard it said that if you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. And so the way that we see forward in faith is through the truth of God's word as he speaks to us. So David talks about this desire in his life at all times. So the, the need, right, we need the scriptures. We need God's word both in the good times and in the bad times, in the, in the well-doing times and in the challenging times. We should have holy desires at all times. And so desires which can be put on or put off like socks and shoes are at best mere wishes. And such wishes are really emotions that are born of excitement and are doomed to die when the heat which created them has cooled down. And so we need God's truth at all times. Think about it like this. Truth must be the starting point. So truth over feelings as the starting point. That's what David said in verse 24. Now, sometimes you'll hear people say, and sometimes we even say myself, and say, well, I feel this or I think that. Listen, to start with I feel or I think, these are not the beginnings of statements that usually reflect a person who has the scriptures uh, as, as their starting point. When we start with I feel or I think, that is not a word from the Lord. It's really pseudo-spirituality. It sounds spiritual, but there is no depth, right? It, we, you don't have a word from the Lord without the Lord's word. You don't have a word from God without it being from the scriptures. And so we have to be careful, right? If we're not careful, what will happen is pride will build up in our life. And only the humble hearts are obedient, for they alone will yield to God's rule. See, pride is the root of all sin. If men were not so arrogant, we would not be so disobedient. But God rebukes pride, for he sees it in rebellion against his own majesty. 
and the seeds of further rebellion. So pride is when we make self the center of the universe. Pride is hard to see in the bathroom mirror, but it's easy to see through the rearview mirror. But man's anger does not produce the righteousness of God, right? Anger is caused by pride and not getting what we want. And so you can be an, actually be an obstacle to God's work and not even realize it. So think with me for just a moment. If you put a needle on a table near a magnet, it will rush instantly to the magnet the moment that it is free to move. The nature of the magnet has affinity with the nature of the needle. And when we're saved, the Lord does something to our soul. He puts his own nature in us, and that new nature responds to the drawing power of God. Also, let that needle stay attached to the magnet for any length of time, and it'll take on the same nature. An ordinary needle or piece of steel has thousands of dipoles lying in thousands of directions, right? Chaos, not order. And the magnet brings order out of chaos, and the needle takes on the nature of the magnet. It becomes magnetized. It has the drawing power derived from the magnet. You see, that's what God's will does for us. It brings, it brings order out of chaos. And so we take on the characteristics of God as we draw near to him, and we should then attract others to him. It's if we desire to find comfort in the scriptures, we must submit ourselves to their counsel. Let me pray for us this morning. God in heaven, we are a needy people. And the truth is, is that we, we really just lose sight and lose focus. Father, we focus on ourselves instead of you. So God, this morning, would you help us to renew our desires in Christ, renew our desires through the truth of your scriptures. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself more and more to us through the scriptures. Father, create a holy desire in us to know you, to love you, and to live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're listening to Running the Race, where we're helping you to run well and finish strong in the race of faith. I'm honored and excited to have as our conversation guest today, Adam Brocker. Adam is the Interim Area Director for East Volusia Flagler FCA. And so, Adam, good morning, and thank you for joining us in the conversation about faith and sports today. You're welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, uh, let's let's just jump right into the conversation because obviously there's several things I want to make certain that we get covered. Uh, but let's start here for our listeners. Why don't you take just a, a moment and give a little background and uh, give us a little context and clue into who Adam Brocker is? <laughs> sure. Well, I grew up on the coast of, uh, of Fort Myers and grew up playing sports. Uh, was able to go and play football as a place kicker at Indiana University. Go Hoosiers. All right. Um, and during, excuse me. I said, oh, yeah, go ahead. Cheer on for the Hoosiers. <laughs> they do play football up there, I promise. <laughs> um, and after that, got into the coaching scene in the strength and conditioning world. I uh, actually was a strength and conditioning coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars and then uh, the Pentagon Police. So I'm excited about the new draft picks for the Jaguars as I throw that out there. Um, excited for the future that they have. Um, but I've been now on staff for, with FCA for about 12 years and currently live in Orlando. So listen, let me, let me drill down just a little bit because I think some of our listeners like myself are going to hear you say you were strength and conditioning coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's one experience, uh, but also for the Pentagon police. So tell us a little bit about what a strength and conditioning coach uh, does. What, what does that role involve for a f professional football team and for uh, the United States Pentagon? Sure. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit different working with a different population. But at, at the NFL level, at the co collegiate level, you're really setting up a year-long program in season and out of season uh, for weight room protocols and for conditioning protocols to try to get these athletes uh, to the best place that they can be to perform at a high level on the field. Now, they're just genetic, genetically really gifted, right? There's some sure. genetic freaks out there. So working with the population with them, 
and then moving to Pentagon police um, was very, very different. A lot of those, those Pentagon police would have been former street cops or former federal police that have moved into the Pentagon um, probably in their 40s or 50s uh, and stationed at different security posts. And so my job was to keep them in shape, to keep them living healthy lifestyles, uh, there's a lot of donuts around the Pentagon, so trying to keep them away from that as much as possible. Now, l- let me ask this. So where did your interest in this physical uh, and nutritional fitness, where, where, where did that come into, into play in your life? Sure. I always enjoyed being around the weight room and just pushing my body physically. But as a place kicker in college, you know, practice is about three hours long. Uh, you can only kick a ball for so long before your leg gets tired or you get bored. So I had a couple <laughs> extra hours each day uh, during practice where I would just go to the weight room and hang out with the coaches there and really understand the science behind it, the physiology and anatomy uh, and biomechanics behind all of it really, really intrigued me. So that's what I ended up getting my, my master's degree in while I was at, at Indiana um, and just dove into that field. Now, when you think back at your playing days at Indiana, at Indiana, um, what stands out to you? What was that experience like as a collegiate athlete? Sure, it was exciting. Uh, We didn't ever have a winning record, unfortunately, but we got to play in some amazing, um, amazing atmospheres, Penn State, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Two of the biggest highlights I'll ever have is one was was at Wisconsin. We had played there and lost 63-7, to I think, a couple years prior. And then when we rebounced back, we, we actually had one of the biggest upsets in history. I think it was 56 to 28. And so we got to kick off a lot. We got to kick a lot of extra points. Um, and that was just amazing. Um, the other experience is probably at Oregon. Um, this was back when they were just kind of rising up with, with Nike involved. And we went on the road and beat them in their house as well. So a couple things stick out. We didn't win a whole lot of games, but we were scoring points. So it was fun to be a place kicker. All right, now, Adam, most people have a, a very defined uh, attitude about the, the kicker, uh, particularly the, the place kicker. But when, when we know that it's coming down and all we need is a field goal to win the game, to win the championship, we all know that that rides on the kicker's shoulders. So what's, tell us from the other side, what's going through the mind? What's, the, what's the, the agenda on the sideline for a kicker when you know, all right, we've got the ball back, we're you know, running a, a two-minute or running a minute and a half uh, left in, in the game, and most likely the offense is going to be set up to design to get within kicking range. What's going through your mind? What's your protocol on the sideline? Sure. Yeah, and I've been on both sides of that, where I've made the winning field goal and missed it. And so I've, I've ended up with a lot of friends after the game or, or by myself in the <laughs> locker room. Um, and really, you know, for me, I think a lot of kickers handle it differently, but everyone wants to come up and pat you on the back and say, you're going to make this, you're going to do great. My, my message to the guys is just give me some space. Let me get in the mental mind frame of, of seeing the ball go through the, through the uprights and, and almost become a little bit numb to where you're just going through – um, the motions that you were during practice that week. Yeah, I think I would be the same way. Like, just leave me alone. Uh, like, like, don't, don't, don't talk to me. Don't let me overthink this thing. So, uh, I, I've just always wondered because you know they'll pan to the sideline and and the kicker, you know, he's kicking the ball into the net, uh, you know, and he it's usually he and maybe his holder uh, over there. I guess that's uh, I guess that's his. Um, 
personal psychologist that's with him. And so uh, I all, I'm always wondering, like, what's going through his mind? Or is he thinking about, man, I could really go for a bowl of Cheerios right now. You know, exactly what's going through the kicker's mind. So that's interesting. So, Adam, let's bring, yeah. in, let's bring in the other side of this conversation, and that obviously is the, is the, is the faith side. And uh, if you would take a, a couple of moments and share how you came to faith in Christ. Sure. I, w- I was a typical teenage boy. Um, just trying to figure life out, um, making making typical poor decisions like a teenage boy would, um, and I'd heard of, heard of the name of Jesus, and but but had never really been ingrained in, in my family's culture. Going to church wasn't a common thing, and at the time, with, with being 16, we had a youth pastor from a local church uh, serve our football team as as an FCA character coach. So he came up under the hood of FCA, and he'd give us pregame encouraging talks or maybe visit with us and do a devotional with the team after practice. Um, but what I could just tell from this man is he, he would just be there to love on us. He'd be on the sidelines during practice and games, asking us about our family, um, asking us how our personal lives were doing. And so at the, at the end of the season, myself and about 15 of my teammates started going to that church, going to the youth group and getting plugged in there. And I just remember it was, it was my first Sunday I was going to church by myself and sat in the pews and, and, and heard the gospel presentation for the first time, that really the, the depravity of my sin, um, the separation that I had from God, from, and I was living in the middle of that, so I knew exactly what they were talking about. And, um, but, but the love that God had in sending his son to sacrifice for my sins, and really that Romans 5, 8 verse, I think, was what was being preached, that even in the, the darkest of my days— Jesus was pursuing me, and that just, I remember being sitting in the pew and and having tears rolling down my eyes because it was, it spoke to my soul, and and that was really the day that I, I came to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior and started walking in a relationship with Him. Obviously, you had a coach who made not just a life influence, but an eternal influence in your life. Can you talk about that relationship, that that influence that a coach has in in the life of of his or her players? Sure, I know uh, I've heard it um, multiple times, and it's it's because it's, it's true. But the two strongest words in the in the in the language English language is "coach says." You know, right. Coach yep. says, "Be here, be there." Um, you're you as an athlete are listening, and so. But at the same time, a coach can have a positive or a negative influence into their into their athletes' lives. For me, it was it was mostly positive. And, and bringing in the outside influence, knowing that he wanted to give, um, he wanted to build character in young men who would grow up and, and give back to holistically to society was, was really important for us. Now, and you've seen this relationship between the coach and the athlete at the high school, at the collegiate, and then also at the professional level. So let me ask you, what is it about that relationship between a coach and the athlete that makes it such an influential relationship. Yeah, I think I think as an athlete, you're entrusting that coach with with the, the, the skills and abilities that the Lord's given you, right? And yeah. so you're, you're entrusting them to put you in a good position, whether that's in the in the weight room or or on the playing field. Um, and as a coach, I mean, it's it's a big responsibility. You've been giving these athletes to care for and serve. Um, it, it's it's probably easy as a coach to try to just look at the wins and losses, but at the end of the day, um, you're going to be asked what what you've done to serve these players, and so it's it's a, it's a mutual relationship where um, there's there's trust being built and service being done. 
Our conversation guest this morning on Running the Race is Adam Brocker, who is currently serving as the Interim Area Director for East Volusia Flagler Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so, Adam, let's uh, shift that conversation now and talk about uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You are, I guess you'd say, kind of maybe in a second uh, stint with FCA. How did, how did you get involved with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and what's kind of been your journey in the staff role? Sure. Well, as I was working at the Pentagon, I had pretty early hours. I'd go in at 6 a.m. and get off at 3. And so I, I was looking for ways to volunteer uh, at the time, connected with FCA in the area, and said, do you guys have any, any opportunities? And the, the one that they presented was an FCA character coach, you know, which had played a significant role in my life. So I got plugged in with a couple high school football teams as a character coach, and I would just do the same thing that I had seen modeled by that youth pastor, come alongside the players and the coaches and ask them, how can I serve you, get to know them and their families? And um, it was probably a, a year or so into serving with them that the local FCA staff invited me on as, as an area representative. And it was about a month before I was ready to get married that they approached me. And I said, there's probably a lot involved here. Let me, <laughs> let me talk with my wife and make sure. So we took about, about three or four months to pray over that, got married, and then just felt the Lord confirming for us that, that that was the path that he wanted us in. Now, we talk about uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and the ministry on a school campus and ministry with coaches and athletes. Uh, our local schools, our public schools, really are the, the single largest mission field uh, in the United States when you think about the 18 and under crowd in America, that 95% of the 18 and under crowd in America attends a public school. And so it's such a, a huge mission field. Could you talk a little bit about the ministry of FCA as a mission field. I mean, what makes from a sports standpoint, right? From, I mean, your, your experience as an athlete and working with coaches and being involved, what is it that about that environment of athletics that makes it such a ripe mission field? Sure. I, I think even today uh, on a high school campus, people looking for leadership are typically looking for athletes. And you know, even prior to high school, I think the involvement on a youth sports level is 70% of, of kids will grow up playing some kind of youth sports. So the familiarity and the, and the popularity with, within our country is pretty high. Yeah. And so um, on a high school campus, as people are looking for leaders, what we do as FCA is, is empower the coaches and, and the athletes to lead um, spiritually on their campus by, by providing them training and materials to run weekly Bible studies and devotionals with other athletes and really anybody on the school campus. Um, so it's just a, a really great way to serve. Um, and, and the fact that it's still allowed on, on a public campus um, is, is pretty amazing. So from your perspective, how, how would you say that faith and sports intersect one another? I mean, ultimately, does God really even care about sports? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and, and you could probably go a lot of different directions with that. Um, and thinking about that, I, I think back to when I was, was 16, right? I, I grew up knowing that I was gifted in athletics, and, and I knew innately that, that the Lord had given me this. Um, and, and the quote I, I absolutely love is from Chariots of Fire. You might be familiar with it. Eric Liddell standing there and says, you know, I believe God made me with a purpose, but I also believe that he made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And so for that, does God care about sports? He does. But I think ultimately he cares about his glory and the mm. fact that he's given us those, those skills and abilities to use to glorify his name. You know, when you're watching a game and you see, you say, man, how did that guy make that catch? Or how did that girl make that dig on the volleyball court? 
um, what you're seeing is as the Lord's gifts being used uh, through through the, the the athletes on the field. And so, as an athlete, um, what can we? The question to, to ask yourself is, what can I do to bring glory to Him? Um, well, go out on the field and, and pursue it with excellence, and then you know, at the end of the day, give glory to His name, win or loss. And um, yeah, that's that's a great way. And, and also, you know, when when Eric Liddell says. Um, I feel his pleasure. That's that's an intimate way that we can connect with the Lord, whether whether it's through sports or, or the arts or education, whatever whatever gifts the Lord has given you, um, He's given those to you to connect personally with Him and have that relationship. And um, yeah, it's just an amazing dynamic. Yeah, and that really is trying to help athletes understand. I mean, they find their identity. You know, there are those that are that are the athletes that are competing. They find their identity. Uh, through sport, right? They, I mean, they they are the athlete. Uh, that is their life. Then there's the weekend warriors like myself that find our identity in sport. You know, uh, so when you're working with these athletes, whether it's high school, college, or at the ultimate level of the professional game, trying to help them to understand their identity and where all of this fits in, and that, that ultimately, as you said, what God really cares most about is them growing in their faith and bringing glory and honor. To himself, I, I get asked this by athletes all the time. You know, particularly uh, those <laughs> that are believers, they're like, "Hey, uh, they call me Chap." You know, short for chaplain, and so they go, "Hey, Chap, can I ask you a question?" And it always comes out something like this. You know, I was praying about this, but what if there's a believer on the other side and he's praying? How do I know? How do, if if I lose, does that mean God loves him more than me? I got to get asked this question, right? And so, trying to help them to understand that what God really desires to do is to use sport in their life to help them grow in their faith and ultimately to bring glory and honor to God. And, uh, I mean, winning, <laughs> winning always makes it fun. Uh, but ultimately what God's concerned about is you growing in your faith. Exactly. Exactly. I, you know, that's a great question. Is If the other team has a chaplain, yes. what do we do? What, where is God in this? And that's, that's a great way to answer that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, well, you know, me being a Georgia Bulldog fan, we had coach Mark Rick, as our head coach for 15 years. And, of course, I think most people know his his story. If you're in the sports world, you know his story. I'm telling you his faith story, coming to faith in Christ when he was on the coaching staff at Florida State. And, of course, we play one of our bitter rivals every year in Jacksonville with the when the Florida Gators and the, the big rivalry game. And so, of course, you know Tim Tebow, and everyone knows Tebow's story. So you had Tebow on one side and Mark Richt on the other. And so, <laughs> so it really brings up that question of, okay, well, how does this whole faith and sport thing work when you got these two men who – both love Jesus and and follow Him, and but only one can win the game, and so uh, it it does raise, yeah it does raise that question. Now, Adam, obviously you're serving in an interim role as our area uh, director for East Volusia and Flagler uh, FCA, and so let me just ask you: I mean, you've been in this role for for a few weeks and moving forward. Where do you see where we're currently at, and what do you see the the future growth and the opportunities? What lies before our community with FCA? Sure. I think in the last few years, there's been a great foundation set. Um, you know, if, if you're not familiar with Kim Boyce, she served as our area director and is, is retiring this month. And Michael, you serving with, with the coaches um, as an ambassador has just plowed a lot of ground for FCA to kind of take it to the next level. From what, from what I know, there's about 30 or 35 relationships with coaches just within East Volusia County and five high schools that it serves here in Daytona. Um, so, you know, opportunities, uh, first thing we're looking for is some staff. Uh, we're looking for an area director that can come in, create a vision, 
and and really look to to take FCA, FCA to the next level here uh, in Lusion Flagler. We're also looking for area reps who are on the ground in the schools, uh, serving those coaches and athletes by being on the sidelines and, and plugging in volunteers. We are a volunteer intensive ministry, and so we we look for opportunities to give lay workers the the chance to to minister on campus as well. So how do we get from where we are to where we need to to be? Um, as you mentioned, we, we, we currently, if we could snap our fingers and have all the volunteers in place uh, to meet the current needs and opportunities, uh, we have 37 relationships or 37 coaching relationships across our five public school high schools here in East Volusia. Uh, and so the, we, we, we need to get from the you know eight, nine, 10 volunteers we have to, to, to 30 plus, right? So from your perspective, how do you see what are the steps and how can our listeners, if they, if, if they say, hey, you know, I'd love to be a part of helping to get from where we are to where we need to be, what, what, what would that look like? Sure. Yeah, and I think understanding what, what God's using FCA as a tool for, and it's really to be an extended arm of the church. And so we, we come alongside the local church and say, how can we serve you? What, what are some, <clears throat> some people within your congregation that might want to be an extended arm of your church into that local high school that – that you're adopting and really want to, to, to serve. And so what we're asking the, the local churches is to, to give us those, those potential volunteers. And so most of the listeners on here, you, you go to a local church. What does it look like to, to be a, a bridge builder between FCA and the local church and really ultimately providing an, an opportunity to bring the coaches and athletes back into a church environment and, and to be discipled there? Um, so that's that's what we're doing. We're 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 connecting with local churches first and ask, asking them, what volunteers do you think would be a good fit with FCA? Now, Adam, when you were sharing about your your story, your connection, initial connection with FCA there in the Washington D.C. area, you made the statement that you you know you got off work and that you were looking for ways to volunteer. So, what would you say to the person who's listening that uh, is looking for a way to volunteer or who is? maybe interested in finding out more about what it would mean to volunteer with FCA. What would you, what would you say to that person if you could talk to them one-on-one? Yeah, I'd say FCA is flexible, right? We've all got different schedules. We all have different, um, different things that are, that are filling our time, but FCA is flexible to that. And, and whether it's serving as a volunteer on a team or well, whether it's help give, providing meals to teams um, serving in a background level, maybe you're more comfortable and your skill set and gifting is there. Uh, or whether you're wanting to serve on our, our local leadership board, there's a lot of different variety of opportunities to serve within FCA. So don't limit yourself based on your, your schedule or timing or, or even interest in serving on the sidelines. It doesn't quite have to be that specific, but there's just as in a church, a lot of different giftings that the Lord's given us and a lot of, a lot of availability. So I'd say, Connect with us as local FCA staff. Let's have a coffee. We'll sit down and talk through um, how the Lord's been talking to you and how he's gifted you and how we can how we can serve together. And so for our listeners, let me direct you. You say, hey, how do I connect with Adam? How do I find out more? How do I get involved? Just go online to volushaflaglerfca.org. That's volushaflaglerfca.org. And you can click on the contact button, and you can send me, Michael Stovall, an email. Just say, Michael, 
how do I get involved? How do I learn more about volunteer? We're going to reach out to you. We want to connect with you. We want to sit down, get to know you, and also share more about volunteering with FCA. Now, Adam, listen, before I let you go this morning, uh, we are going to get into the mind of a place kicker. We want to know what makes Adam Brocker tick and think, and so we're going to put you through our lightning round. I'm going to ask you your favorite this or a question, and you just respond with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. <laughs> All right. We've not lost anybody yet. This will be good. So, listen, I'm going to start with an easy one to begin with. Would you rather kick from the left hash or the right hash? I'm a right-footed kicker. Give me the left hash, and my, my curve will bring it back in. Your most used app on your phone? Oh, goodness. Um, probably the Bible app for kids because my kids are always asking for my phone, and I love providing them the ability to dive into that. Your favorite board game or card game to play? Hearts. Grew up playing hearts with my family and trying to build it into uh, into our culture as well. Your favorite holiday? Oh, that's probably the hardest question you've asked, Michael. I would, I might say, it's got to be Christmas. Just the, the entire month and, and even into November is now celebrated for Christmas. So you got two months of the holiday. I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose that one. All right, now listen. You can choose only one golf club to play an entire round. You'll play an entire round with one club. Which club are you choosing? You're asking the wrong guy. Not much of a golfer. I'm gonna either say a three iron or. Uh, yeah, going with the three. All right. And if you could be a superhero, which superhero would you be? Without a doubt, the Flash. There you go. Adam, listen, thank you, you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for what you're doing to help East Volusia Flagler FCA to move forward into the future for ministry in our area. Man, I really appreciate you. My pleasure, Michael. Thanks for having me. FCA's mission is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. Our strategy is to and through the coach. And you heard Adam talking about his journey and that he was, quote, looking for ways to volunteer. Maybe that's you. Maybe you are looking for ways to volunteer. You're at a place in your life and with your schedule where you say, you know what, I want to give back into our community. We would love to to talk with you about volunteering through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. If you would go online to volusiaflaglerfca.org, you can scroll around the website, learn more about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and then send me, Michael Stovall, an email that says, how can I get involved? And we will take the conversation from there. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. We hope you have a great week and look forward to getting together next Sunday for Running the Race, where we're helping you to run well and finish strong in the race of faith.